Welcome to the Frog Hop Food Founders interview. I'm delighted to be joined by Monica Martini. She's the founder of uh, B100% and she's a passionate believer that you are what you eat. Uh, leaving a very different career behind, she spent untold hours researching the nutrition and wellness benefits of ingredients and combinations that can boost our health. The result is the launch of a range of nutritious vegan snacks rooted in ancestral wisdom, but backed by uh, modern evidence-based science. They're low in sugar, they use natural ingredients, unprocessed and anti-inflammatory ingredients, and are produced in ways that ensure they remain optimal for gut, uh, brain and immune health. What's more, they've already picked up some very prestigious awards, more of which later. Um, so I'm really looking forward to finding out more about B100%. Uh, welcome, Monica. Thank you so much, Stephen. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. And Thanks. you introduced me better than I could have even. In fact, I'm going to copy that for my program. I've got it written down. It's fine. <laughs> Thank you. I hope I'll be able to share some of my you know, this journey in launching a food business from a totally non-food business background. So I guess the first place to start is uh, what were you doing before you founded the business? And had you always wanted, secretly wanted to start a food business? Um, no, no, never thought in, in, in any of my remotest uh, dreams. Um, so I was an architect, practicing architect. I taught at UCL and um so my journey into food really started with learning about nutrition and that was triggered by my own health problems and further triggered with um, losing my in-laws to cancer, both of them, very uh, suddenly and uh, in untimely fashion. So I think that trigger, those two triggers were very uh, sort of, they made me want to take ownership of my health because for years I suffered um, and I wasn't able to really understand why the pills are not helping because this whole, you know, I was like just what anybody else with, you know, living and trusting the medical system to be providing all the answers. So my, my whole idea about health was based on the conventional, you know, wisdom out there that you have an ailment, you go to your doctor and you'll get better. But nothing happened. And because I was in a really bad shape, um, I started studying. Now, I'm not a nutritionist or a scientist, but one way to get, get good at something is to study that subject in depth. And that's what I did. So I learned about the mechanisms of aging, health span, and all, all the rest. Um, and then I always loved experimenting, and I did a lot of experiments on myself and creating things in the kitchen, which is probably my architectural trait that helped, uh, you know, wanting to keep experimenting and creating things. Um, so yeah, and, and then as I understood nutrition, I also realized that the healthy snacking industry was not really delivering on the health aspect of the foods they were providing. So that was the gap I thought I have to fill. Um, and because I enjoyed the process of making things, it was somehow uh, you know, a natural progression into starting the business. Um, it wasn't really a, a business idea to start with, but then as I worked further into it, I realized that, yes, this could work commercially as well. Um, and, you know, there was a unique aspect to what I was doing, which was worth investing time and effort. Um, so, yeah, that, that's how the real, um, the real um, business idea matured. 
Um, but also, I think I didn't mention earlier that I had started after I left architecture, I had done an MBA and I had started an online nonprofit, which was one of the reasons I started losing my health because it drained me and my finances. So that was um, the reason that uh, it took me some time before really wanting to do another business. Uh, so there was that apprehension and scare. Uh, if you failed the first time, uh, how do you come out of that and go into a completely different field? I'm sure that's something that a lot of people can relate to. That um, you know that process of kind of going through through yeah. the, through the business and, and learning. So it sounds like the mission is, is about kind of creating healthy snacks that deliver on the health aspect. What what's in the range at the moment? So um, yeah, so I think the the thing that I'd, from a consumer's perspective, I always approached and was very product focused. So rather than have an, a protein bar with four different flavors or you know a biscuit with four different uh, inclusions, I looked at it as saying, okay, what are the products that can be eaten different times of the day rather than just one element with different flavors. So we have a biscuit, like a brownie crunch. So as I do, if I, this is a whole new range from where I started uh, five months ago. So we updated and upgraded the whole offering, uh, taking in consideration all the elements that were missed in the first round the first iteration. So it's got a brownie crunch, which is a biscotti as well as something that you can have as a bar. Um, then we have a, um, a amaranth, turmeric uh, and ginger based, uh, like a granola crunch. Um, and then we have um, a broccoli sprout, uh, chocolate fudge which is uh, very different, uh, again, to anything that's out there. And then bringing this whole element of um, nutrients or ingredients that should be part of the diet, because where I've really focused the business and my products is to take into consideration the longevity diet principles. So there is, there's a whole science of how to increase health span and uh, uh, there are scientists and there are billionaires investing a ton of money in it right now. Um, and addressing this aspect of how to increase health span and live longer, um, you know, taking into consideration diet and lifestyle factors. So the, the research and the studying I did was focusing on those elements in nutrition and in terms of nutrients that you should be having every day or at least part of your staple diet. So what I've done with the products is bring those nutrients into each product. So at a therapeutic level. So if I have the turmeric based granola bar, it has 500 milligrams of turmeric, but it's, it's well incorporated in the recipe. So you don't have that strong sense of um, eating that high dose, but it's a level that one should have to have any effect on the body. Similarly with broccoli sprouts. Now broccoli sprouts is a very um, unusual uh, ingredient and not many people actually know what they are. So th these, ha these have been studied for anti-cancer and anti-inflammatory properties. And lots of uh, lab work is happening in, in, in this um, particular food. 
uh, in the U.S. mostly. Actually, a lot of this is happening in the U.S. Uh, in terms of food research. Um, so that so this is where you know bringing in elements of um, uh, nutrients like sulforaphane um, that really need to be in your diet, but it's not possible unless you're really aware of what to eat every day. So not every consumer is at that level of understanding uh, or aware. So the products start from a dose of of, of a you know nutritionally valuable uh, ingredient. Yes, and then. Do you look for different ways to deliver that or did you have a clear idea or? Um, like in terms of uh, the product or? In terms like, of developing a product around that that dose, if you like. Yes. Yeah, so if, like broccoli is a very uh, dreaded food for most people, right? So how do you bring it, bring that in a diet and make it pleasurable? So, uh, you know, chocolate is something everybody likes. Now, it's a very weird combination, but the experiments that were done were to try to make sure that you actually are getting it without hating it. Like the flavor was complex and full, full, fulfilling all the boxes for a chocolate fudge. So that was the product focused on the taste. Taste was number one and nutrition was number two. So where there's the best balance between the two? Um, which is where hundreds of experiments <laughs> before you and my my daughter and my husband were the tasters. So they have two very different palates and they're brutally honest with their feedback. So until they reached the wow, the experiments had to keep going. So because, you know, with friends, what you taste, get the friends on board, the problem is they'll never be so honest because they, they don't want to say things very, you know, harsh or unfriendly. So you can't really trust friends as much on giving honest feedback as you can your own family. I think every every food founder needs some brutally honest uh, people to work with. Don't they? So do you have an idea of who you're making these products for? Is, it, is there a particular type of person or is it a general audience? Or? So I started with um, having, um, so my focus was and the learnings my, for myself were really from biohackers. So there are people like Dave Asprey and Tim Ferriss and all these, you know, people who are working on optimizing their health and not just being healthy. So there's a big gap between optimizing and just being healthy. So that gap means that you're really focused on getting that top level in nutrients into your body because you're looking at the top level research. So when I look at that, and then I, as I studied more and learned more about biohackers in general, I also found that most of them were doing really uh, crazy stuff. So which wasn't always the most holistic approach because one of the things all my studying and understanding nutrition have made me realize that we cannot look at uh, body as separate organs or treat or feed it in you know silos nutrition with just protein bars or with just gut bars or you know it can't be like that unless you bring a food which addresses the body as a whole you're not able to to really benefit the body in the way it needs because it's working as a system so a lot of biohacking is about just 
uh, optimizing your muscles or optimizing you know some of them biohackers but then there's that natural biohackers who are looking at doing it the more integrative way um so i focused that now i could it's very difficult to really say what's my target market because i wanted to be very narrow to start which every product you know that's what is advised to have a narrow target because then you can market properly but when i look at my target market it's like people who are looking at a holistic living a holistic lifestyle and looking at very natural products now that could be quite a wide age group so my challenge has been trying to narrow my age the demographics of my market and i'm not sure i'm still 100% on it but i think the brand voice and the branding which i'm still working on should really be able to make me uh, you know help me uh, have a much more narrower focus especially on social media it's very important because there are certain uh, you know demographics that don't go on certain platforms or they don't uh, access certain channels so that that's very important that i am narrow my focus which i am afraid i'm not currently very narrow so it's it's one of those you know i think as the product sells because with this new range we'll be doing a lot of um, campaigns so as it sells we'll also get a feedback from what consumers we are you know addressing need of and that then will further feed into what what campaigns we do and what marketing channels we use yeah so um, one of the things is interesting is how well customers or consumers generally understand the sort of health benefits that you're talking about i mean i suppose at the moment it isn't a general audience it's a it's a focused audience on people who do kind of get it is that is that true yeah absolutely true so if i was to talk about turmeric or if i was to talk about how the way turmeric needs to be had to be effective um maybe 0.1% of the people would know the science uh, or or the understand the the subject so i think that's where in a way it's a challenge but also an opportunity to differentiate because the, you know health industry is very 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 um i mean it's full of hundreds and hundreds of products out there so how do you stand out and make yourself different so this is an opportunity i think for uh, for at least for us as a brand that we are able to have that narrow perspective on nutrition but then while it's also a challenge because how do you address there's a early adopters concept right the people who try the things because they're always up for the new um, product or the new uh, proposition but then from that early adopters how do you expand out so the current marketing strategy that i have right now is get at least 100 um love that love your product and then venture out from there and word of mouth and make sure that we are talking about a product in as much transparency and educating the audience because there's um, also that element because there's some nutritionists out there who are you know educating online through instagram live videos etc but they don't make the product so they're asking the consumer to go and fetch that product that they are advocating so it's also partnering with um, the healthcare industry 
which will help us reach that audience and create that awareness even more of why they should be eating our products vis-a-vis. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you said you have, I think, five months from launch or five months past your launch. Yes. Um, can I ask about your approach to sales and where you're selling at the moment? So online. Uh, so I so initially we started at uh, Nopex. So that was the launch. Um, to so this is where my strategy was all wrong to start with. So I thought that the best way to you know go about sales is to go through all these wholesalers and the retailers. So chase the retailers. And as we as I talked to you earlier, it's all it's absolutely the opposite of what I should have done. So I should have built my brand and the brand equity, as it were, uh, and really had a following to start with. Because at the moment, I did not invest at all on SEO or on social media. So these are the two channels where your brand is made of, you know, it gets eyeballs. So none of that. So and I went directly to retail or to these, you know, wholesale where you have no um, scope of negotiation, and they want to be as they're as risk averse as it can be when looking at new brands which have no um, no customer base to start with. So we went back to the design board and redid the whole thing to lower the packaging as well as the product that we are coming out with. Because the original product range was expensive, um, very, also very difficult to produce, a lot of labor. So now it's again, instead of having my five months to already have sales and sales channels established, I had to go back to the design board, redo, the business in five months. And now I'm going to start the sale. So although it's still online, I haven't really been able to get to the next step. So you know, a shout out to Marcus who said that, go to your local shops, just say sale or return, see what happens, and then you go from there. And so that's what we are going to do now, rather than have, um, uh, rather than chase retailers or wholesalers, we are just going to do that in uh, in terms of sales. So website and local stores, markets. What I'm hearing is that you're a you're you're kind of comfortable with changing direction, adapting your strategy, and and learning as you go. I think that's that's really important. One one thing I've noticed, you've picked up some pretty uh, pretty good awards already. There's there's the Great Taste Awards, the Nourish Awards as well. And can you can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah. So. You know, when we when I was doing the market research, one of the things that um, uh, stuck with looking at other brands was how important, how much they uh, advertised the awards they had got. So early on, I knew that awards would have been, should be one of the important uh, strategies to follow from a consumer uh, credibility, especially. Because, you know, when I see something with a great taste or any other word, it sort of makes me think, oh, yeah, this must be good. So that was one of the starting points. And um, I mean, the whole process was really you have to see what's the deadline to apply and just apply. Now, they are very expensive, actually, if you start putting all of them together, like, you know, they are about 
um, you know, the greatest, of course, is you have to choose the more prestigious ones. So Norwich and Great Taste seem to have a much better setup. But then there are others like Vegan Awards, Wellness Magazine Awards, and, you know, different magazines do their own awards. Um, so that, I think, as, as you... So budget was always an issue. So I had to choose which awards would be more relevant. Um, and because we are a nutrition brand, it was important to get that validation from uh, Nourish, for example. And Great Taste was a great um, satisfaction because you're competing with uh, brands who are putting sugar and butter and all kinds of other things. So it's not really a health product, but then to get the taste, uh, Great Taste Awards, you know, in this category was also very important because that means we were standing out on taste not just the nutrition. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I mean, it's it feels good because, I mean, if anybody out there who's uh, wanting to apply, I would say to choose which awards because if you have limited budget, it's like about 150 pounds, I think, per application. And then you have a discount if you apply for more things like more uh, categories. So you have to really choose... Um, uh, I mean, I had to choose it. I, so wh whichever ones we applied, uh, we won all of them. One in the sense that um, uh, gold awards as well as uh, highly recommended or, uh, you know, from um, Women's Fitness uh, magazine. So, so yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting uh, way to go about, but I have to also use that, that uh, exposure, which because I went back into product development, I could not really benefit because I should I should have written and you know contacted all the judges and then all the testimonials on the website which are still missing. So all of that, I mean, it's one one person band. So there's that slow progress in making use of every every element. Was it a difficult decision to um to to quit your job in architecture and and start doing this? No, so I think uh, I'm so glad I'm doing this because I'm loving what I'm um, what I'm doing. Um, had it, um, I mean, it was a, you know, like karma. It's like the destiny, how things work out in your life and they take a certain turn um, and lead you somewhere else from where you started. So I wasn't afraid of changing from the very start because even when I started architecture, it was... Uh, a, you know, the only architect in like five generations of the family. So there, there's always that element of being against the grain, um, especially in India at the time, uh, and then leaving India on my own without any. So the challenge and the change was never a problem. Uh, but I'm glad my first business failed because I would have never got on to I mean, it failed, it left me broke and, and my family broke. But uh, in the end, well, I'm saying this, but I hope this one doesn't fail. So I make up for all the losses from the first one. Um, but I'm doing something I'm very, very passionate about. And I think there's so much to deliver on it. I'm just getting started. And I can already see where it can go from, you know, done properly with the right resources and, of course, 
big thing is investment. So that's it's a catch twenty two. Unless you have something valuable, nobody is going to invest. So it's about creating that value to that point where somebody can trust that yes, this this brand has staying power. So so that's that's where now product focus is finished. It's selling focus and um, commercial focus. Do you remember how you you found Frog Hop and you started working with us? Yes. So I want. A, so at the stage where I was before the packaging and everything uh, had taken off, so I searched online for food consulting businesses. So Frog Hop came up, and then I looked at your website, and I was massively impressed with Melanie's work and her videos that you have on the website. So I set up a one-hour consultancy with her, yeah, and then we we had a good chat, and that followed on from when I started working with Sally on the nutritional claims and health claims. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm so glad because you know it was um, a very important aspect, especially when you're, you know, um, the whole idea about the the differentiation factor is based on nutrition. Unless I make sure I have that clear, I I can't be called out on that aspect of the business. So, and it's the core of the business. So it was very important that I got that help from you guys um, to, and also what can go on the packaging. I think that was a big deal uh, to get the packaging text right and not get into any legal hot water I guess the next question for me is what what are the kind of key things you've if you could go back to the start of the business or six months ago or whatever, what are the key things you've learned that you'd tell yourself? One would be to forget about retailers when you launch. Just build brand equity, brand following, brand loyalty. Whatever it takes. I mean, in my case, of course, I'm I, you know, everything I want to do, I have to buy a book and learn it. So I'm right now I'm learning Instagram. So and and my justification to buy five books on that is that if I had a consultant or a PR company, it would cost me hundreds of pounds more. So I, so books are one one way to get that. So definitely I would um, not want to go the route that I did in the beginning and and feel demoralized. The second would be. To learn skills, because that's something nobody can take away from you, and they'll always be there. Uh, when you grow the brand, you'll always know what to do, and tell others what you need done because you've learned the skill, like learning email marketing software, learning how to set up a website, learning how to, you know, what are the, even photography, how to go into, uh, um, uh, you know find stock photos without paying. So all these things would help later on, even though my progress is slow, but these skills that I'm picking up by learning on the go. Brilliant. I was thinking you've got a lot of hats to wear as a, as a food founder and a, and a yes. business owner. Yes. Um, we've, we've got a question in the chat from Helen Johnston. Um, she, says, uh, so she says, thanks so much for a great chat. Um, did you have, already have the recipes worked out when you approached Frog Hop? Or did they help you do that aspect? Uh, no, I had the recipes worked out. So they helped me with the nutritional claims and the health claims, uh, the headline health claims that should go with the 
Um, yeah, that's, it's about um, making sure that the claims are legal and can be substantiated, yes. isn't it? Yeah. Yes, 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 yeah, no, definitely. Brilliant. How long did it take you to create the desired product? That's from Danielle Blackwell. Yes, so on an average, I would say um, four to five months. Uh, reason being that you also want to get it tested. For uh, for example, one of the big challenges I had uh, was the water activity in the product. Now that's very important for shelf life. Um, so having having a shelf life um, of six months is what retailers want. Uh, although, as Marcus um, uh, Carter said, that that's only because they want to de-risk, you know, the stock, the storage, and all that. But actually, your product should be good to go uh, if it's running off the shelves quickly. Two months should be good enough. So, but but what I needed to do was to get that worked out, which may, meant that point six is the cutoff point where from which the pathogens can start developing so on water activity so that was one of the things that the, that product which is my nutty raw cacao we have um, uh, raw yakon syrup in it um, and that has a water activity which sort of brings the whole product um, into a much higher end water activity and i had to do about i don't know from the top of my head, probably 45, 50 experiments to see how the taste, how to bring the water activity down and increase um, the other, you know, it's it's about balancing it out without losing the flavor that you want. And so then having it tested by precision labs of somebody else who would tell you, okay, this has reached a point of six months, five months, four months when they do their tests. So this is a process that can take even six months. They do an accelerated testing. So they won't take six months sitting, uh, but they do some process by accelerating it. Excellent. Uh, Nina asks, did you work the recipes out at home or did you use a food lab and did you use food scientists? So we, so I, I had this, I had the privilege of having um, the garage uh, in the house that we converted to um hygiene five rating so that was a very important part uh, you know of keeping the business viable for us because i couldn't have afforded a kitchen i mean they, they are expensive but also the whole process of you know you can't rent a kitchen to do an experiment and then and and lose a lot of money by um, going back and forth so having the separate kitchen with a professional rating was very important because it sort of um, makes sure that we don't have that extra margin to add on top of the, the product pricing. And secondly, the fact that you can iterate as much as you want because there's no time limit. So that's the other thing I would say that unless you give yourself a deadline, like you know, with the webinar, I had the deadline that the website has to be back on. And <laughs> and I was like so paranoid that we won't finish. But so deadlines for entrepreneurs are so important because time management goes out the window. And I could be sitting there still working on the experiments and still working on making more product, uh, you know, refining it further. But you have to cut a line and draw a line and say, this is it. It's done. Moving on. So somebody has to, you know, prod you to move along. 
Yes, absolutely. And Speaking of which, uh, we have we have run over, but uh, it's all good stuff. Uh, Saskia uh, says it's a wonderful talk. Thank you so much. Uh, how can I get in touch with you? As I would love to test your products and have a chat if you're up for it. So yes, if you want to know more about B one hundred percent, you can find out at b hundred percent dot com. Um, it is very yeah, freshly made website, and it is very beautiful. And all those awards are on there. Um, if you want. Uh, to know more about the kind of webinars that um, Monica was talking about, about food and drink, um, then go to frockhop.co.uk forward slash resources. And you can also listen to the previous Food Founders interviews at frockhop.co.uk forward slash podcast, or as they say, by searching for Food Founders interviews wherever you get your podcasts. I just wanted to say thank you so much, Monica, for joining us. Um, really, really fascinating to hear your journey, your adaptations, your learning, your approach. Um, and uh, yeah, I wish you every success. And um, yeah, thank you for coming on. Thank you very much. I'm happy to help anyone who wants to pick on my brains for things not to do. So thanks. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back in the new year. You can sign up for the next session at frockhop.co.uk forward slash kitchen. Thanks for joining.